please stand if you're able for the call to worship. O God, our God, how glorious is your name in all the earth. Your glory is sung by all of your creation. When we look to the heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, we wonder. Who are we that you care for us and for this world? You are the God of life, crowning us with glory and honor to serve you all our days. O God, our God, how glorious is your name in all the earth.
morning and welcome to worship today. It's good to be here in the Lord's house today as we gather to, to worship the one true and living God. Many of you that are here today have had to be out for various reasons over the last few weeks, and we're glad that you're back, able to be here and, and worship with us uh, together. Southside Baptist Church is here in the heart of Five Point South, building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And a part of that is to welcome those who are new to our community or those who have been here a long time or those who come back to be with us today, to, to know that we're all one, that we are family together as we worship the Lord, as we seek to come into his presence with um, songs of praise and prayers of thanksgiving. We would like to ask those who are here today to take the little blue registration book at the end of each pew. If you'll write in your name and uh, any other information you'd like to share with us, that would be helpful to all of us here. We also want to do this, and that is to um, ask the peace of Christ to welcome you by standing and welcoming uh, each person that's near you by saying, may the peace of Christ be with you. And I hope that you will uh, express that to everyone as we do so now. So please do that. And though I see our uh, folks are uh, pondering things over the, uh, the television up in the balcony, we may or may not be online, but if we are, friends from uh, various places, and uh, so thank you for joining us today, and or by uh, way of rebroadcast on your YouTube channel. Be sure that you uh, tune in to us uh, each Sunday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Today is the last of the series, Pathway of Prayer. Uh, we are dealing with worship. You've heard at first versions of Psalm 150, which is, of course, the last of the great uh, worship songs, and um, Dr. Osborne will be speaking to that uh, issue today. Good to see everyone this morning. Thank you for, for being here. Um, I, I thought that... Um, so much had changed since I saw Peggy on the third row. Um, that was just uh, almost uh, uh, a shouting moment for me here. Um, any of you guys on the back row that want to move forward also, uh, come on down. That's fine. Uh, that'll be fine. And we uh, hope we are welcoming our friends on our YouTube broadcast. We are up. Oh, good. Okay. So, uh, Good to, good to know that, and uh, I want to say a, a word. I think uh, Dr. Kelly mentioned that uh, our, our uh, beloved member, Sarah Buchanan, watches us. Uh, she likes to hear the music, folks, so uh, uh, thanks to Sarah. I hope you're uh, tuned in now, or will continue to do so, and others, many others. You can spread the word. Those of us who are here in the uh, sanctuary uh, can spread the word to others. If they are not able to be with us physically here in the sanctuary, they can catch us on, on the YouTube channel on the live broadcast each Sunday morning now at 11 o'clock. And I'm grateful to those, everyone who has been able to make that possible because it's really a, uh, a, a great outreach for us, not only to any maybe homebound members or others who've moved away or whatever, but uh, uh, a way to broadcast our uh, our worship, our uh, ideas. 
Um, today, of course, is the last Sunday in our nine-Sunday uh, exploration of the Lord's Prayer, and you will see um, that uh, it is essentially um, on worship. It's that last pray, phrase for Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, uh, of course, that we add uh, to, the, uh, to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Dr. Roxburgh will um, uh, bring his homily on that subject. But also, before that, I am, uh, I'm just so happy to be a part of a, a congregation where I can share some of my own ideas on these things. If you'll notice that uh, the anthem... Uh, that will happen right before uh, the, uh, the homily was written uh, specifically for this service. I um, became sort of inspired by some of the other settings of the Lord's Prayer uh, that we have. It's not a terribly long one. I think it's a very approachable one, but I'm also grateful to our, our choir members. Uh, it's not every choir master that has the ability to write a piece that he knows he's going to get performed in a beautiful way by these wonderful folks behind me. Uh, so I'm grateful to them. I'm grateful to the, to the, to the church for this um, uh, opportunity, as always. Um, our hymn that we will sing in just a moment, also hymn 309, is not as well known a tune to everybody, but it is about worship, and it is by the same composer, uh, Charles Stanford, who wrote the wonderful introit that we uh, sang. His tune, Engelberg, is set to the beautiful words of uh, Reverend Fred Pratt Green. And you will, uh, once again, as always, we say, you know, if you don't know the tune, give it a go. Uh, hum along, at least dig in on the words, because the words are terribly important for us. May we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we know that you have brought us to this place for a reason. We believe that reason is to worship you. We believe that reason is to learn more about you and to learn in this hour how we may serve you better in the week to come by sharing your love, your message, your grace with a, a world in great need. Be with us as we do this. In Christ's name we pray it. Amen. May we stand. The hymn is 309, when in our music God is glorified.
first lesson in Scripture is Psalm 150, the last psalm in the Psalter. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with a harp and lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here ends our first lesson from Scripture. Gospel reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew and chapter 6, verses 1, verses 9 to 13. And I'm reading this morning from Eugene Peterson's The Message. In honor of the Gospel, if you're able, will you stand? Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best, as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. This is the word of the Lord. Turn this a little bit, and so it sort of begins to unravel. You see that? That's unraveling at the end. 
Savior to pull that, to pull it apart. There's actually, in this particular little piece of yarn, there's four different pieces. Now, you know, probably, you can probably break that if you want. Just take this one right here, or your one. Can you break that? Can you pull it apart? Just the one. See if you can pull it apart. You might be able to pull this one apart. See if you can. But why do you think it's so much harder to do that? They're all together. They're all together. And there's actually a, a verse in Ecclesiastes that says, a cord with three strings is not easy to work with. Now, a cord with one string is much easier, right? You could break it. We could pull it apart. But when the three of them are together, or the four in this case, it was strong, right? And so when we think about our church family, if you look out there, when we think about all of us thinking about and working toward the same things, that is to, to be a, the presence of Christ here, to build an inclusive community of grace, all of those things, we're much, much more able to do that if we're all together, don't you think? So the other thing is this, it doesn't matter how the particular string looks or anything else, it's important for it to be wound together with the other so that we're strong. See, I don't think we can break it. Okay? So, what do we learn from that? What do you think, Martin? What do we learn from that thing together? That together, all of us are stronger than if you by yourself. And so you can lean on one another and draw strength from one another. So let's offer a prayer that God brings us together. And because Christ has come and lived and redeemed his people, then we can trust that he's with us and binds us together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth that you are here with us. And that together, as we seek to understand your truths and apply them to our lives, that we are made stronger as we lean upon those close to us and as one another, uh, as we're bound together, that we're stronger for your causes in this world. Help us all as we seek to be the people you call us to be. Join me in prayer this morning, shall we pray? Eternal God, who is, who has been, who will be, our faithful God, the God who is with us, you are our God, and we know that you are with us in our struggle, guiding us onward. We come before you today, here, in this holy place, in this time, offering our lives and ourselves to you, we seek to come to be open to the work of your Holy Spirit and to trust in the love of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You are God of all, of all people and places, of all times and stories. And we open up our hearts in prayer to your world and its people with all their need. We pray that you would bring hope into the midst of fear, that you would bring your transformation into people's thoughts and actions. 
God of love, we pray for all divided from others by political, social, historical, or even religious barriers. We pray for all whose hopes have been rejected because of their circumstances. We pray for a new understanding that would help all people to reach out to those they do not know and help them to come to understand your grace, your mercy, and your love. God of wisdom, we pray for your church this morning and all its diversity. We pray that we might become one body, recognizing the gifts of all our members, that we might find our unity in the shared questions of interpretation, that we might forgive and be forgiven, that we might learn and grow together. We pray that we might be one community of faith under your lordship, under your care. God of compassion, we pray for all who need to know your care this morning, for all who struggle in family life, in relationships between partners, for all who struggle as a result of having experienced abuse in home, school or work, for all who struggle in the workplace because of misunderstanding or misrepresentation. We pray that all would come to know your presence, your healing and your liberating touch. We open up our hearts this morning and we bring before you those who are particularly near and dear to us and who need your touch upon your life at this time. We pray this morning for the hundreds of people who have been killed as a result of storm in the Philippines and tsunami. We pray for those who seek to bring relief to those who are suffering. We pray for ourselves, for all that will happen in the coming days of this week. Guide us, assure us of your presence, enable us to be faithful in the life of discipleship. O Lord, hear our prayers, offered in the one who taught us to pray with confidence and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And there's not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
words of the Shorter Catechism still ring in my mind from some day back in school. What is our chief aim in life? Our chief aim is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. One of the great hymns of the faith is a setting of Psalm 146, another of these psalms of praise. Isaac Watts, and edited a little bit by John Wesley, I'll praise my maker while I breath, and when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of praise shall ne'er be passed, while life and thought and being last. We're called out of ourselves. We're called to occupy our minds and our hearts with the worship of the living God. That's why we gather together together on a Sunday morning in worship. Yet we need help to carry this off. I can love God by watching the sun rise or set over Loch Lomond and say thank you. I can see the golden leaves of autumn falling. I can see at the beginning of spring the new buds coming out and the, the flowers uh, being seen. But sometimes I need help to love God fully. I need one another. I need the whole people of God to say we will worship and praise the Lord with all our hearts. We believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. There are times when it's not so easy to express our faith. At these times we need one another to enable us to lift up our hearts and to glorify our God. And so the ending of this prayer is an expression of worship. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. It may surprise you to know that these words, these latter phrases, are not within the original prayer as we know it. It doesn't appear in the two of the oldest manuscripts we have of Matthew's Gospel. It does appear in the third. Some of the early church fathers mention it, while others don't. And actually, it's only recently that it's been brought back into the Western liturgy of the church. We're so familiar to it, we just assume it was always there. And yet it was common in Jewish worship to end prayers with doxology. And so although Jesus might not have given these actual words at the time, it's unsurprising that the church adds them on to indicate that the end of all authentic prayer is an expression of worship and praise and honour to God. To acknowledge, to acknowledge that the kingdom, the power and the glory belongs alone to God is to say that the kingdoms of this world are not of ultimate importance. By the time that Jesus was born, Augustus had been monarch of all he could survey in the empire for about a quarter of a century. He was ruling a territory that stretched from about Gibraltar to Jerusalem, from Britain to the Black Sea. He was described by one ancient historian as the one who gave peace as long as it was consistent with the interests of his kingdom and the myth of his own glory. The ambiguous structure of a human kingdom, a kingdom of absolute power, bringing glory to a man at the top and peace to those who didn't interfere with what he wanted. By contrast, here is Jesus. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. It's a very different alternative. It's a different kind of empire, kingdom, a kind of power that's different, a glory that's different, a different kind of peace. Not the rule of the love of power, but the exercise of the power of love coming into the lives of those who need it. We think about our own kingdoms of the 21st century. 
they're often focused upon what we can achieve. In London, outside the Houses of Parliament, there's this large statue of Winston Churchill, with pride of place in the politics of the capital. Similarly, in Washington, D.C., the principalities and powers of the Republic are given architectural embodiment. Granite and marble on both sides of the pond indicate that human power is long and lasting. And we give to human power a certain sense of dignity, respect, and honour. And yet, if we're honest, as Christians, we believe that his alone is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. We would like a little power to ourselves occasionally. It would be quite nice if power and glory and honour were given to us more than it is. Moments when we shine, when we rise above the crowd, when we radiate success and achievement. But when we come together to worship, we come as the people of God who recognise that there is one who is above us and beyond us and beyond our human creation and our human exercise of power and glory, and he is our God. The irony about Jesus is that in the Gospel of John, which speaks most of his glory, being seen in the face of Jesus Christ, it locates this glory not in splendor and power or in military might, but in the glory of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have seen his glory, says John, the glory of the one and only Son, close to the Father's heart, full of grace and truth. John even suggests that when Jesus is exalted, he is exalted, first of all, upon a cross. It is the cross of suffering that will demonstrate to the world the glory of God, the grace of God, the beauty of God, actually who God is and what God is all about. Listen to Jesus. What shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour, the hour of suffering. Save me from this hour? No. It's for this reason that I have come into the world, Father, glorify your name. God will be glorified as Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus brings the glory of God near to us through a life of suffering and service. Mother Teresa of Calcutta shone with glory in her work with the dying people of that city. One of my favorite ministers in the First World War was a man by the name of Studdard Kennedy. He used to go walking up and down the trains as they were about to leave for the front. He would have two kind of sacks with him. Out of one he would take cigarettes and out of the other he would give New Testaments. <laughs> he would take a note of the name of the mother and of the address of the soldier who was going to the front. And as he saw the train disappear up the line, with tears in his eyes, he would write a letter, a postcard to the mother, telling them that he had spoken and prayed with her son, serving God in the name of Christ. Yet we sense our inadequacy. How can we be a vehicle of the grace of God? How can we be a vehicle of the glory of God towards other people? 1940, the Catholic writer Graham Greene wrote a novel called The Power and the Glory, set in Mexico in the 1930s. Mexican government is determined to suppress the Catholic Church, sending paramilitary troops, as we would call them, into the provinces to persecute priests. The story centres around a, a fallible, flawed priest, a whiskey priest, he's called, a man who's fathered a child and likes a drink and is always on the run. 
Two factors inhibit the priest's escape. First, he truly loves his child. He won't leave. Secondly, he comes out of hiding to hear the confession of a dying man. He suspects that it's a ruse in order to trap him, and so he is, and he's captured, and the lieutenant orders his execution. You might think that's a a strange place to think about God's glory being seen through a flawed individual. We're accustomed to thinking that glory is about about our strength, about our holiness, about our our likeness to God and having, having everything in place within our lives. But Paul says it's through the weakness of our humanity that God likes to manifest his glory, his strength, his power, his love. Here is a fallible, gullible, pitiful priest who's lost all his physical power and glory. And yet he senses that the glory of God is to use him in his weakness. The challenge of that story is that only as the church recognizes its weakness, that the church is able to be a vehicle of the glory, the grace, and the power of God. The church in the Middle Ages often placed the statues of martyrs at the front door of a church in the portal, typically with rays of light streaming from their heads. They had said no to the way of the world, to the way of the empire. And now they were radiating the glory of God in their suffering. One example of that is the story of a second century martyr called Polycarp. Polycarp lived and died in Smyrna in the Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. In February 156, he was arrested and put on trial and called to curse the name of Christ. He replied something like this, Four score years and six have I served him. How can I revile my king and my saviour? So they executed him. But later on, the church in Smyrna wrote in their records, Polycarp was martyred, Statius Quadratus being proconsul of Asia, and Jesus Christ being king forever and ever. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Charles Wesley, another great hymn writer, catches the mood at the end of this prayer, celebrating the first coming of Christ, but also the second coming. Celebrating the thought that in the grace of Jesus Christ in his first coming, we have hope that the glory of God will be manifested at the end of time. Yea, amen, let all adore thee, high on thine eternal throne. Saviour, take the power and glory, claim the kingdom for thine own. Oh, come quickly, oh, come quickly, hallelujah, come, Lord, come. Our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Psalm 150, which has kind of bookended our our service this morning, is the climax of the, the Psalter. The book of the Psalms is set out in five different books, and each collection ends with a psalm of praise and worship. And the final section ends with a whole series of praise and worship psalms. And Psalm 150 is the ending of it all. It's almost giving us an impression of not only what worship is like here on this earth, but what is worship like in the eternal kingdom? What the psalm calls God's mighty firmament. In heaven, the psalmist speaks about various types of instruments of worship. In the temple, the music 
is being played on trumpet and lute and harp and cymbal. And there's a bit of dancing and tambourine playing going on at the same time. It's not quiet. It's noisy. In the final line of the psalm, everything that is breath, everything, that's you, you and I, everything that is breath, every single creature on earth joins the heavenly chorus with praise. The whole psalm is about the wonder of God, about the infectious character of celebrating God's majesty, kingdom, power, and glory. The word praise occurs 13 times in six verses. Every instrument, every person, and every living thing on earth discovers that its ultimate purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. This is the crescendo that brings the hymn book of Israel and of the church to a rousing conclusion. And it's a discovery that lies at the heart of what it means to be a Christian, of what it means to have a rhythm within our life, of what it means to focus on God before we focus on ourselves, what we do Sunday by Sunday in the rhythm of meeting as the people of God. It brings a renewal into our minds and hearts that nothing else can. It helps us to think about the week that we are entering with its early mornings, its stomach aches of anxiety, its worries over bills, its experience of unemployment, of social injustice, of sick relatives, as well as all the good things that happen day by day, like a good cup of tea or a good cup of coffee along the way. The beauty of Psalm 150, which calls everyone and everything that breathes to praise the Lord, is to help us to see that life is set within the context of worshipping God. And in that context, we can begin to enjoy him forever. He is the one who has taught us to pray and know him as Father. He is the one who has enabled us to put his kingdom first in the way in which we think. He is the one who delights in providing us with our daily food or our three square meals a day, as Peterson puts it, and gives us forgiveness that we don't deserve and help in time of need. And so we sing, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever because we know that our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever and all God's people said Amen Amen Let's pray Gracious God God of glory, God of majesty God of power but also the God of mercy and love We thank you for what we've been learning about the pathway of prayer but we seem still to be stuttering along the way so help us enable us at the beginning of this new week to offer our lives once again into your good and free service through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray Amen Our closing hymn of praise is number 508 We O God Unite our voices. Shall we stand to sing?
join me in prayer? Our Father, we came today to praise you, to worship you, to instill your thoughts in us for the coming week. We ask that you be with us in everything we do. Let us be reminded that you do love us and let us praise you in every instance we can. As we go into the week, we ask that you accept these gifts of ours as a way of furthering your work and praising you forever. Amen.
present them for your honor and your glory. It is to you we present them in our worship and in the way that we live our lives day by day. Bless them and multiply them. Amen. You see in just a moment, please. We first welcome the guests and, uh, that are here with us today. If you've not been here with us before, we're delighted that you're here. And also, for those who have been able to return after a while away, we're glad that you're here. But also, uh, I want to invite you to a reception there, not just those, but all, everyone. They're in the narthex, or lemonade and cookies there, and we'll get a chance to know you a little bit better. Uh, hope that you will do that later long enough for us to speak to you and give you a, a warm south side welcome. Uh, I do want to say a word about the, the Wednesday evening studies that was begun last week, uh, parables of really parables of Jesus in Luke's gospel, Luke's gospel alone. You won't see those in many of these in the others, and I think all of these, actually. Uh, Dr. Uh, Roxburgh brings those, and uh, this one, the friend of the night that he will uh, present on Wednesday. Also, to, uh, to thank Dr. Roxburgh and the choir for, especially this series on Pathway of Prayer, because it's been a very meaningful and, and uh, enriching time of worship. I think that it's been a lot to us, here of us would have thought you have got nine weeks out of the Lord's Prayer of such homilies of depth and insight. So we thank you for that and for the choir and Dr. Banks and Sarah and Sage for those as well. Uh, we're blessed with those individuals that continually lift us up in worship and help us to understand our role in, in God's kingdom as we seek to bring honor and glory. So today as we go, may we go out glorifying God. Through everything you say and all that we do. To the one who will keep you from falling and present you into his glorious presence, may his grace, mercy, and peace go with you 